Thank you for listening to our podcast today here at Word of Life. Our prayer is that when you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. We want to make sure you know all about our new online campus. Visit thelifeonline.cc to find our brand new platform where you can find short messages on topics like prophecy, forgiveness, healing, and so much more. Each month, we release multiple new series for you to be able to grow in the knowledge of God and the Bible. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Uh, If you brought your Bible, open them up with me to the book of John, John chapter 13, and we're going to look at verse number one. Uh, For those of you who may be unfamiliar uh, with the gospel accounts, uh, John was one of Jesus' disciples. He only referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Uh, He had a revelation of the love of God, and his penmanship of his gospel account uh, reflects that and reflects God's great love for us. Uh, it might be my favorite gospel to read, especially for uh, devotional, because it's something that just grounds me and roots me in that love. One of the things that separates John from all the other gospel accounts is in the book of John, you see the longest narrative of what we would call Holy Week, from Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, which we celebrated last week in Palm Sunday, all the way up to Passover, uh, which at Passover kind of uh, becomes our communion and talking about his body and his blood uh, that was shed for us, uh, and then to his death, burial, and resurrection. John dives into that account. And from John 13 on, begins to describe Jesus' passion and his sacrifice. And I want to draw our attention today to John chapter 13 and verse number 1 to kind of uh, see how John begins uh, to describe this journey and its completion. Watch what he says here in John 13 and verse number 1. Now before the feast of Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I don't know why, but that just struck me so hard this week. I've read that scripture, I don't know, at least hundreds of times, if not thousands. He loved them to the end. Um, the amazing thing about this is it's talking about the, the context is the disciples. And when you read the gospel accounts, you see the disciples demonstrated their worst all the way to the end. Have you ever been at your worst? Uh, have you ever had something happen and it just brought out the worst of you? Uh, and it's like, why am I talking so loud? <laughs> you're in a moment where you're wondering how come you're so emotional that your children may be seeing the worst of you or you're seeing the worst of yourself. Uh, we see the, the disciples at their worst. They're following afar off. What a statement for disciples of Jesus to be following but following afar. Have you ever followed afar before? Like you were a disciple and you're you're following and you love the Lord Jesus, but you know there's a little bit of distance between you and the Lord. And what do you do with that distance? Like is it even safe to approach when you have that distance? And they're following from afar and it leads to Peter going out and making a choice to deny the Lord Jesus. Uh, Literally on three separate accounts, he denies that he even knows 
the Lord. And then, of course, you know the story. If you don't, uh, let me tell it to you. Uh, Jesus prophesies to him before this moment and says, you will hear a rooster crow, and it'll be after three denials, and you'll know that you have denied me. And a rooster crows after the third time, and the Bible records that he locked eyes with Jesus after the third time. And when he knows in himself what he's done, he goes out and he weeps bitterly. So much distance between God. You you, you see, Peter felt so much shame in this moment that he begins to distance himself from the Lord. And not just distance himself from the Lord, but distance himself from all that the Lord had called him to. He begins to walk away from his call, walk away from ministry, walk away from the Lord's presence. Walk away from even being a disciple. Walk away from everything that he, know, he knew, everything that was familiar to him. Walk away from every miracle that he saw. Just walked away from it all because of shame. It was interesting to write this message. And, and you know, Easter's a big time, like, uh, especially for a pastor. I was in getting my hair cut, and they're like, big Sunday for you. I'm like, yeah. Uh, and they're like, it's like Super Bowl for pastors. I'm like, I guess, like all these things. And so, you know, like for some of you, this is the only time I'm going to see you this year. And so you feel that, that pressure uh, to like be good uh, at what you're doing and like have a thought out plan. So I completely like overthought Easter and my wife is like watching me pour over all of these books and she, I can see it on her face. I'm like, you think I'm overthinking it, don't you? She's like, yes, you're going to get up there and change the whole thing. Uh, and sure enough, I am like, that's exactly what's going on here. Uh, But I had three points, uh, pride, busyness, and then shame. Uh, But I I really uh, forced the reasons why we don't draw near to Jesus. But I I really have just found a connection all morning with that shame piece. Peter has so much shame because of what he's done. And I think we'd all say, rightfully so, he denied the Lord Jesus at a time when the Lord needed his support literally more than any other time. Like at a moment when people need Peter to be his best, he is his worst. Have you ever felt that as a parent? Like you know your kids kind of need you to be your best in this moment, but it just seems like they keep seeing your worst. Uh, It's something called humanity. (laughs) And Peter is wrestling with this humanity, and he is shameful. And because of this shame, he's not drawing near to God, nor towards anything God has called him to. There is this distance. What happens when you feel like you disappointed the Lord? Uh, You know, as a pastor and a public figure, and now we're on television, and I was even in India, and it's amazing how many people in India, like, tune in and kind of watch and interact with some of our services and things, and we want to say hello also to everyone who's watching. Uh, But out of that, like, sometimes I'll get a lot of letters, and sometimes these letters are anonymous, uh, which I know never to open them. Like, when there's no return address, I'm like, this is probably not pleasant, whatever is in here. Uh, Like, you just kind of know. I've been doing this for almost 20 years. Uh, so, but I got an anonymous letter, no return address, and I'm like, you know what? It'll probably make for good preaching. And here we are talking about it. Um, so I open it up, and there's no name on it. It's only typed, like there's a blank white sheet of paper, and it's typed, no signature, no name, no return address. And what it says in the letter is this. Are you ready for it? God is disappointed in you. 
That's right. Tell me you love me. I need Fondren. Let me know you love me. Like, right? Like, God is disappointed in you. Now, this is not the first time something like this has happened. Like I said, people, you know, um, decide to do things. Most of the time now, though, it's through, like, social media and not the actual mail. So uh, it kind of brought back old times. Uh, but... <laughs> we're here and I'm like context would be nice one uh, but then you know secondly you're kind of wondering like is he what about you is God disappointed in you today is he disappointed in you is he at this place where he's judging your actions and saying based off of these actions now there is consequence and the consequence you feel like there must be is distance See, Peter, when he feels the shame, he feels like, and Adam felt the same way. Isn't this funny? Like when they knew they sinned against God and God saw their sin, there felt like there needed to be distance, that there needed to be this gap in between them. Uh, And I think in and of ourselves, like we kind of know, when we make mistakes and we do things that are not right, there should be consequences. Uh, Like we're at this place where like, well, we've got to learn from our mistakes. And one of the only ways to learn is to have consequence based off of those mistakes. I told, I only got it out in this service. It's amazing how all of our services are different. Uh, But at the 10 o'clock service last week, I told the the church about my son, Benjamin. He contracted the, the flu. He's nine. And so he had to be quarantined. And so, you know, you want to be nice uh, and like, you know, quarantined. It's like, here, just take my iPad. Uh, And like those types of things, like just play. And so he downloaded a couple of games. No harm done uh, yet. Uh, And so I'm at work uh, the week before. And I start getting all these notifications on my phone. It's like ding, 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 ding. Over and over. And I look down, it's PayPal. And it's notifying me, like, from Apple services, $109 is going out of the account. $499, $999, $4281. Like, all, I'm like, I'm getting hacked. Uh, So, like, I'm like, what do I do? Like, have you ever panicked? Uh, And, like, had one of these moments where I'm like, who do I call? Do I call PayPal? Do I call Apple? And so, you know, I called my wife. (laughs) Because it's like, she'll know what to do. Uh, So, I call my wife. And while I'm on the phone with my wife, uh, I'm like, is Ben with you? Like, it just dawned on me. I'm like, is Ben with you? She's like, he's in his room. I'm like, go check on him. So she goes in there, and I'm telling her what's happening, and he's got the iPad in front of him, and she opens up the door. She's like, are you buying stuff? And he says, yes, ma'am. <laughs> this kid, this kid I, I was adding it up. I'm like, for my math, it was like over $800 worth of charges. We call Apple, like literally, it's all like one succinct kind of moment. We call Apple and Apple is like, uh, sir, we hate to tell you this, or ma'am, we hate to tell you this This is my wife who's on the phone because she handles everything. Uh, So my wife was on the phone with them and she's like, ma'am, are you sitting down? And she's like, no, she's like, sit down. She's like, your son spent $1,216.83 in like nine minutes on dragon eggs in this one particular I'm like, what is a dragon egg? And how can I give it back to you so that you can give me back my money? Like, I have no idea what's going on right now. 
Uh, and so all of those things, we've been trying to get our money back, still have not gotten our money back from this app. But the sweetest thing happened. Uh, this week, I, I came into staff prayer, and one of our staff members came and gave me a letter. It was from Robert and Velma Berry, who they're on the front row. Uh, I love this couple. They've been in the church for years. And uh, so I, I went home, and I opened up the envelope, and it was a cat with a mask on. Uh, and it's like, even though you're masked, you're awesome, like that kind of thing. And, and, and then it says in the, the note, Ben, uh, we think you're awesome too. Uh, here's $100. And then they signed it as Ben's rescue team. <laughs> because they know. He's like, can, when can I have the iPad back? I'm like, when you give me $1,216. That's exactly when you can have it back. And I don't know how a nine-year-old is going to get it, but that's between you and the Lord. Uh, and like out of this moment, because it's like, there's got to be consequence. But here you have people who for no other reason like see the need for rescue and for help for this little child. Uh, and Ben, if you know him, he just lights up a room. And so they came and rallied around him to get this, to pay a debt that he could not pay. And here is what intrinsically we know, that all of us, even if you've been a saint your whole life, if we were to pull back the layers, uh, it's like Shrek, there's layers. If you pull back the layers and we get to really who you are, that in and of yourself, there have been thoughts and there have been actions that we all seek to hide, uh, we all seek sometimes to numb, uh, we seek to keep those things hidden, to keep those things locked in. We have these moments where we don't want you to see them, you don't want the church to see them, we don't want God to see them, and here's why. We believe that if these things came to light, it would be a debt that we couldn't pay and that debt would create distance. Uh, that, that from, because this is how we operate sometimes as, well, not sometimes, pretty much all the time as humans is when people wrong us, we create distance between us and those people. And so we don't want people to know our wrongs because we think if they know, and God knows, it creates distance. The problem is we know he knows. And so out of that, we find ourselves just kind of following, but from afar, And I have just been struck this week about the love of Jesus. And even in my own self, uh, just rediscovering his great love for me. Let's go over the book of Luke. We're in John. Go next door and let's look at the book of Luke. Luke chapter 23 and verse number 41. Uh, Jesus here is on the cross and on either side of him are two thieves and murderers. Uh, so you've got people who have not been the, their best selves. You know these guys are bad because um, not only was Barabbas uh, chosen over Jesus, but he was also chosen over these two. <laughs> so Barabbas was a thief and a murderer. So they thought, hmm, who would we want out on the streets? Not him, not him, Barabbas. <laughs> so out of this, if Barabbas was the person they picked who was a thief and murderer, you can only imagine um, how twisted... You know, the word wicked comes from the word wicker, and it just means twisted. 
And you see things, or at least I do in pastors, uh, as pa- in pastoring, like I'm in the people business, and you see people just go through things. Sometimes it's as early as three years old, two years old, but they go through it, and it just twists them. Uh, and they get a little wicker. And it turns out in the long run a little wicked because it got twisted. Something got off. Um, and out of this, um, these guys have not lived their, their best lives, obviously. And they're on a cross right next to Jesus. And one of the thieves and murderers is like, if you really are the son of God, quit messing around and get us off this cross. <laughs> like, at any moment now, step in and fix this. And the other thief next to him begins to calm him. And, and watch what this thief says in Luke chapter 23 in verse number 41. And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus said unto him, truly I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, I love this on so many different accounts. This guy is so mindful of what he deserves. He's at this place uh, where he is looking over his life and he's like, this is fair. Uh, The price I'm paying and the consequence that is being issued out here is, is more than just. We're receiving this justly, he says. But he looks over at Jesus and he says, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus looks at this man and says, this day you will be with me in paradise. Now, we can just stop right there and give God thanks for paradise. I'll I'll take paradise. Uh, And we as Christians have this hope of heaven that Jesus is not just Jesus. He is the way, the way to paradise, the way to eternal life, the way to heaven. Uh, My grandfather went home to be with the Lord this week, Um, and uh, out of this moment was so thankful to be able to know that death is not goodbye, but death is see you later, that there is paradise, that he's in paradise, that to be with Christ is far better, that there is life after death and the hope of Jesus. Like, that's a beautiful thing. Paradise is awesome. Sounds great. Uh, so, but with so many times when people quote this verse, they hit the paradise point, but I never notice what Jesus said. This day, you, sir, will be with me. <laughs> Who is he telling this guy this? This guy, he's a murderer. He's a, the, literally, in his mind, I'm sure, the only reason why he's repenting is he knows he's about to die. And Jesus is like, I know, but I still want to be with you. The whole Bible is a revelation of God fighting to be with you. No matter who you are, if you're a thief, a murderer, no matter who you are, no matter what, if your sins are public or private, known or unknown, no matter who you are, God literally had the Bible written so you could see, I just want to be with you. And the whole reason for heaven is so that where I am, you may be also. 
Uh, Like in this, God's chase is for you. And no matter who you are, he's not going to stop that chase. Nothing can separate you from the great love of God. You can be a woman caught in the middle of adultery, thrown down at his feet, and there will be no condemnation coming from Jesus. Why? He just wants to be with you. He'll go after Peter. He'll go get him. He'll go say, get my disciples and Peter. He'll pull Peter to the side and have a private conversation with Peter. Why? He just wants to be with him. And God just wants to be with you. It's amazing. You read the parables of Jesus and he's like, call a feast and just tell him to come. Why? I just want to be with him. Why are you calling the feast? I just want to eat with him. And he calls for the feast and they go out to, you know, get the people to come. And one says, can't come. Just bought some cows. Got to make sure the cows are okay. You understand. And then another one said, can't come. I just bought some land. Got to take care of the land. You understand. I like the last guy. He's like, I just got married. (laughs) You know, I'm not coming. Just got married. Can't come uh, to your, your feast right now. And each one of them, the Bible says, began to give a reason as to why they couldn't come. And God is saying that the reason why this whole thing exists, the reason why you were made is because I just want to be with you. This day, you will be with me. And so I think the Lord would just tell you, no matter who you are, what you've done, come be with me. Come be with me. It's funny, you know, in in raising children, uh, I've got a nine-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 15-year-old. We're outnumbered, pray for us. Um, And so out of this, (laughs) where's the iPad? Uh, So out of this, I've learned a lot about the Lord through fathering because Jesus came to reveal to us the Father. And when our youngest son was being born, I noticed some behavioral um, issues with our middle son, Boston. And you could just kind of see it. He's just kind of acting up. And, and maybe you here recently have had some behavioral issues <laughs> uh, that in and of yourself you have not been demonstrating um, your highest and best. And oftentimes, you know, when you see this within children, it's like we need some behavioral modification around this place is what we need. And I don't know if you've ever thought that uh, uh, way with your children. I'm sure you have if you have some. If not, just wait till you do. You'll quit judging every other parent. Uh, But out of this, uh, uh, you know, we see wrong behavior and it's like we need behavioral modification. And if you've never seen that within your child, maybe you've seen that within yourself. It's like, you know what I need? to do? I need to get my act together. I I need to get in gear or whatever your term is. I need to man up or woman up or whatever it may be. Like I need to get myself together. And so I'm wrestling with this of like, I know I'm supposed to be training these children and I see some behavioral modification is needed. And so let me go in and, you know, begin to modify behavior. Uh, And I was praying about this and thank God for the Holy Spirit. Just so gently, he spoke to my heart and said, he needs you. You are what he needs. He needs you. And it just kind of struck me. I'm like, well, he has me. No, he needs you. He needs your presence. He needs the gift of you. He just needs to be around you. And so I had that just so big on my heart. And so I I grabbed my son, six years old, and I took him to Atlanta. 
uh, and we just drove over there to Atlanta and went to the Coca-Cola factory. I don't know if they still do this, you know, with COVID and all, but you used to could go and taste like all the different Cokes from all over the world, like Sprite from Japan, Uh, (laughs) like all these, it's like literally vending. You just grab a little cup and you go to it and you could taste like hundreds, it seemed like, of different flavors of drinks Coke had made from all these different nations, which sounded like a great idea, and in the moment was loads of fun, until you realize your your six-year-old has just drank about two liters worth of Coke from all these different machines, (laughs) and you pay a price for it. Uh, And so out of that, later, as he's hopping on the bed, I'm like, ah, Coke factory. Um, So... But we're having these moments of just sharing breakfast and lunch and dinner in the same room, and we're, we're just, uh, you know, spending time with each other. And we went to the aquarium, and we came home, and I noticed he's different. That I was the behavior modification. That just simply being with me change something within him. I noticed the same thing with my daughter. Uh, When she was younger, I noticed that there was something that just came on her. And it was really kind of uh, mysterious. And me and my wife would talk about it. It's like, she's, she's coming up against something. And we're talking to her about it. And of course, once again, you begin looking at like what we need to change uh, and what she may need to change, all those types of things. But then we notice in prayer, the Lord spoke to me. She's like homeschooler. Let her be with you. And we brought her up here to staff prayer, and she was in staff prayer the whole time. And then it's like the Lord, the Lord really dealt with me. Take her on China to a missions trip, and I took her on China or to China where we were just with each other. And I noticed at that moment, something changed within her. And in our hearts, I, I think we, we kind of sense like we are uh, flawed in some way, like deeply within us, something needs to be changed and something needs to be altered. And so we, we wrestle with this. It's like Jacob wrestling with our own flesh of like having this moment where it's like, I'm not who I want to be. And I'm trying to like manufacture this. And Jesus is like, come unto me. But then our shame is telling us we know there has to be consequence and I'm not sure what I'll find when I go to God, so let me just follow from afar. Watch what Jesus says here. I love this in the the New American Standard Bible. Watch what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 11. They'll put it up on the screens in verse number 28. Um, Jesus has this moment where he's talking to people who are tired and he says this in Matthew 11, 28, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's talking to a people who have grown weary. Have you grown weary with yourself, tired of not performing up to the standards you know you need to? weary, tired people. He says, here's what you need, not more behavioral modification. Here's what you need. You need to come to me. But I've sinned. I know, just come be with me. I want to be with you. But there's a lot I need to fix. I know. But I'm the one who's going to help you fix it. Just come unto me. Uh, Come unto me if you're weary. Come unto me if you're tired. Come unto me if you're filled with shame. No matter who you are, even if you're a thief on a cross, come unto me because I want to be with you. And he says, when I am with you, I will give you rest. Why? Because I am gentle. 
I've always read this out of the King James, and for whatever reason, like that word lowly just couldn't, it stood out to me, uh, for I am meek and lowly of heart. When you dive into like what those mean from the Hebrew and Greek, it is gentle. Uh, and it strikes me as interesting, like when we think of God, of who God is, it's like God is powerful and God is wonderful and God is majestic and all those things are true. But if you were to ask God, who are you? He would say, I'll tell you who I am. I am gentle. I am love. I, I took some time to just meditate on like gentle. The first thing that came to mind was uh, 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 Sunday, last Sunday, just sitting out. Uh, a, a buddy of ours had like a, a fellowship at his house for the masters. Uh, and I'm not a golf guy, but I'm like, I'll go to my buddy's house. Uh, and so I went there and we're sitting outside and there was this gentle, just gentle breeze. You just kind of wanted to sit there all day. It was so nice. You just didn't want to leave. And I think if you could come to this moment where you understood God is gentle, that you would just see that this is a place I'm safe in all day. Second thing that came to mind was my amazing wife. My wife is the most impressive person I have ever met. Uh, She is beautiful and gorgeous inside and out. And she's here on the front row today at the Lakeland campus. She went to Costco the other day. (laughs) I'm going to tell the story. Uh, She went to Costco uh, the other day, and she came home. And she said, this man stopped her and said, "Uh, I'm sure you hear this all the time, but you are gorgeous. And she tells me this. I'm like, what does he look like? How old was he? Did you see the make and model of his car? Because somebody's about to die. Like... So anyway, I mess with her all the time, and I'm like, in case you haven't gone to Costco today, you are gorgeous. Just let me be the first one to tell you. But she really is, of course, outwardly, but inwardly as well. Um, and when our children were, were born, um, she, we were pregnant at 19. She was 19. I was 21. And we had been married like six months when she got pregnant. And then we had this child. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> How do you hold it? Why is it crying? Why won't it stop crying? Like, I have no idea what to do. I'm like, can it eat this? And I'm like, no. Uh, so, you know, all these kinds of things. And then three months later, uh, after giving birth, she was pregnant again <laughs> with our son, Boston. And so we're here in these, these moments. And I'm trying to figure this out and I watched like motherhood just come out of her and she was just so gentle with this thing that was so perfect but yet imperfect. Perfectly ours and perfectly loved but yet imperfect, messy, crying for no reason. (laughs) In my mind at least. I'm like, surely you're fine. You've been burped. You've been fed. You've been changed. Uh, Crying expensive. (laughs) So perfect, but yet imperfect. And I see this this gentleness. It's oftentimes when you see the, the best of humanity, you just see a glimpse of God. And God, your heavenly father, he he says, you want to know who I am? You come to me with your flaws and you'll see. You come to me with your sin and you'll see. You come to me as a thief and a murderer and you'll see that I'm not repelled by the ugliness of your sin. I'll embrace you as you are. The Bible talks about in the book of John 
It says, be of good cheer that if your heart condemns you, know God is greater than your heart. And I don't know about you, but sometimes my heart will condemn me. It'll tell me I'm not enough. It'll tell me I'm disappointing. And then other times when I'm perfectly well in my heart, I'll get an anonymous letter. (laughs) But there'll be moments where your heart will let you know. I'm not okay right now. And when you have those moments, there's something in you, it's the Adam nature in you that just wants to hide, maybe even numb. And Jesus says, you know what you need to do? You need to come to me. Why? I'm greater than your heart. The prodigal son, he went out and sinned. We're going to talk about him next week. I want to encourage everyone, if you can, come back next week. We're going to talk about the prodigal son We're going to have inflatables and food trucks and all kinds of fun stuff. But we're going to keep kind of the story of God's love going. But he had this narrative in his heart that he had so displeased the father that he couldn't go home as a son anymore. But finally, the pain got so big internally and externally, he said, I'm going home, but I'll not go back as a son. I'll just go back and tell my father, here's what I'm worthy of and here's what I'm not worthy of. And he closes this gap and has a little distance and he he comes home. But the the Bible says when the father saw him a long way off, you may still be a long way off today, so far from having your act together. But the father sees you if you take one step towards him. And while he's still a long way off, the Bible says the father ran to him. You want to know who God is? He's a loving, gentle, running father. You want to know who God is? He's a God whose mercy and love knows no bounds, overcomes all sin. And the father comes and just embraces him, loves on him. I just, I wrote that down in my notes. He embraced him as he was. He didn't wait for him to get clean or perfect. He embraced him as he was. And God will embrace you as you are too. And he found in the Father's house restoration, forgiveness, behavioral modification. He found himself coming alive. And I don't know if you feel like you've disappointed the Lord today or if you feel like for whatever reason you can't come to him. But I'm telling you, it's a lie. And maybe something on the inside of you is listing all these reasons why you've been the most imperfect mom, you've been in the most imperfect husband, you've been the most imperfect person or the imperfect Christian, and your heart's telling you all these things that makes you think you have to keep distance from God. But God would say, Adam, I see you exactly where you are. You don't have to worry about clothing yourself. I'll give you something that will clothe your nakedness and your wounds that's greater than anything you can make with your own hands. Just come on to me. And so today, Easter Sunday, I just want to invite you to come to Jesus. We're celebrating his resurrection, and what it simply means is this. If he overcame all of hell, surely with him you can overcome some of it. And it's the truth, no matter what the devil has thrown at you through Jesus, you can find freedom. So right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, across all of our campuses, Highland Colony, Fondren, online, even on Fox, you can bow your heads, close your eyes. And right now, if you just want to come home and come to Jesus, would you take a moment, like the prodigal son, just surrender? God's not disappointed in you. He just wants you home. God's not waiting for you to get your act together. He'll embrace you as you are. 
God's not waiting for perfection. He just needs a little bit of surrender. And today at all of our campuses, if that's you and you just want to come home and come to Jesus, would you do something right now? No one's watching. I'm not going to embarrass you. At any of our campuses, no one's watching. No one's going to embarrass you. But if you say, I want to come home to Jesus, would you do something for me right now? Across the whole world and all of our campuses, would you just lift up one hand to Jesus and surrender? Just come home. Hands going up all over here at Lakeland. I know at Highland Colony, I can see you guys through my screen here. I see hands going up. Hands going up all over the world in Jesus' name. It's just a hand of surrender. Now, everybody at all of our campuses, just say this with me. You can repeat it after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful Jesus paid the price for all of my sins and all of my mistakes. All of my failure has been swallowed up by the love of Jesus. And Father, I thank you that because Jesus paid the price for my sins, I can come boldly before the throne of grace. My past, it is over. I renounce its power over me. Jesus, you are my savior. And through you, Jesus, I can boldly say, I am forgiven and my best days are starting right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church. At all of our campuses, let's celebrate everybody who made a decision for Jesus. Welcome home. We're so glad to have you here.